Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, Sirius XM, Channel 141, 96.3 HD2, and 98.3 FM. This is the Insight Segment. I'm Harold Fisher. Have you ever interviewed for a job and were asked to take a personality test? What about a test that identifies behavioral or cultural traits that show that you are the right fit or not? for the job. These tests are quite common these days. There are also tests that can determine if your current career path is the right one or perhaps it needs to change. Well, tonight we're taking a look at these career tests, what they mean and if they are really accurate. My guests are Cynthia Terry, owner of Launch to Lead, a career testing group, and Craig DeLarge, an executive coach. Lines are open. Give us a call at 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. You can X me at hfisherwhur or find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Cynthia, Craig, thank you both for joining the conversation. Yeah, good, good evening. Thank you for having us. Yes, I am. I am really excited about this <laughs> because I took a test today that Cynthia sent me, and we're going to go through just some basic stuff, and 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 I think it's really going to be very very telling. I guess I, I have a a healthy bit of of skepticism, Cynthia, about all of this. But even before we get into this, talk to me about, you know, this this testing. How do these assessments work? So uh, the assessment that I use, which is Strength Finders, it actually can help you pinpoint the areas in which you're strong. And then at the bottom of the assessment, because there are 34 skill areas, are the ones that are your soft spots. Mm. People call them weaknesses. So mm-hmm. why do you need to know those? You need to know those because you can use actually your strengths and aim them so that you're not going to change really in your, your weak areas. You weren't designed that way. But you can mitigate it. If you know that, number one, that is a soft spot for you, and number two, that you have a stronger area that you could probably get the things done that you need to get done by using. Well, knowing myself, for example, I'm kind of like Nike. I just do it. Mm-hmm. So if, if you tell me that this is a soft spot mm-hmm. or a weakness for me that could very well infe- uh, affect my you know, my employment or, and I hope my boss is not listening or, (laughs) or something like that. And it needs to change. Well, then I'll just, just change it. Unless, unless you think that for me or for anyone, uh, these wholesale, making a wholesale change regarding weaknesses would just be impossible. So, um, three things. Sure. Number one, there are some states that it's illegal for you to give someone a test to identify their soft spots because they could have some on their resume, they've worked in an area that could be what you need. Mm -hmm. So you can't eliminate a person 
I would say, just on the basis of an assessment that they've taken. The second thing is, I was employed um, for many years in a company that every year would give me an evaluation and it would identify my soft spots and then they would send me to training to get better in an area that I was never created to be really strong in in the first place. Mm. So that's A, a waste of money and B, frustrating. Mm -hmm. Because I am not going to be the person that's going to have a checklist that I have to live by and go through and execute. And that's not how I was designed. Mm -hmm. Maybe the way you were designed, it would come up on the test after you were hired. Mm -hmm. And and I think to that point, uh, Craig, when you think as, as an executive coach, what are your feelings about these various and sundry tests? And there are all kinds of tests. Yep. One, the mm -hmm. one that most people are probably most familiar with is the Myers-Briggs personality test and the like. Yep. What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So I'll tell you, as one who over decades of, of working in, in corporate America as well as in small businesses, um, who's actually used these tests to evaluate fit for role, but also have taken them myself, I think that they can be very helpful. But like Miss um, Terry said, and I agree, they shouldn't be the basis for hiring as much as they are the basis for putting people in the right roles, building teams where you have the right combination of diverse skills and styles so that you can actually help people to perform better than they might have if you didn't know this about them or if they didn't know this about themselves. Give me an example. So let's go with uh, the points that you brought up. You said that I'm kind of a Nike guy, just do it. Um, typically we refer to that as a bias for action, right? Well, if I'm building a team and I know that you are someone who has a bias for action, I might want to match you up with or make sure that somebody else on the team is someone who is more reflective. They, they are less likely to just do, do things, but they will sit back a bit, be more reflective, think about and think through things so that there's a balance in the team and thus that diversity improves how the team might perform. So, so here's the thing that that's so funny. I love that. I just will throw that in. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> so here, here's the thing that I think is just kind of funny about this because I, I would imagine that uh -huh. for, for corporate America, and yeah. for or for really large companies, mm -hmm. that these things would be applicable, but, and I'll just take. You know the new, you know the news business, for example. Everybody's a just do it kind of person. You, you know, because when when the stuff hits the fan, there yeah. is no time for reflection. There is only time for action, and so even I, I would imagine that even for those who may be more navel gazers or people who may reflect on things. Um, they may do it, but they're yeah. doing it while they're running out of the newsroom, hopping in a hopping in a car, and going to the to to the scene of 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 police activity. Yeah. So it 
are there cases where these things, where these kinds of tests may not necessarily apply other than to just say, yes, everybody is a, what did you call it? What what am I? A um, bi- bias, bias, action. bias, bias for action. action. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thumping well, my chest. <laughs> well, well, here's something that, that kind of came to mind for me as I um, reflected on what you were saying. So you're correct. The entry level first coming into the media as an industry, there's kind of this Everyone needs to be in action. Everyone needs to do it, right? That's the part of kind of the sink or swim, I guess, of entering into any industry. But certainly you would agree with me that as you progress in one's career, you end up with people who end up on magazines versus on the daily news. You end up with columnists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and editors who tend to be a bit more reflective in their work requirement than people who might want to stay in um, – you know, the, at, the, at the desk reporting every night. You have investigative journalists, right? So still, even though there's this kind of general requirement for getting things done, the fact is, is that they're all, there's a huge diversity of different types of styles and aptitudes and preferences that make up the different types of roles that you see across the media over the long term of one's career. Hmm. 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. We're talking about career tests, personality tests, culture tests, uh, behavioral tests. Are you or are you not the right fit for the job? Is your career path on the right path. Give us a call if you have a comment or a question at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Okay, Cynthia, so what is it that that you believe is probably the most important part of of these career tests as it relates to perhaps directing or showing someone the right way. I mean, I would imagine you may decide that you want to be a a pastry chef and own your own business, but is it possible that uh, these tests could tell you that you would be better off as a criminal defense attorney? So when we're talking about linking the careers to strengths, mm-hmm. you know, that these are how you are naturally designed, right? I use the story a lot about parents who are both attorneys. They had a daughter, Senator Princeton, got a law degree, joined the family practice, and she hated it Mm. because she was not analytical. She didn't fall in that strategic thinking. We have four domains, and one of them is strategic thinking, and that strategic thinking means that you have to analyze, you have context, and those kinds of things for that particular job. She was over in strategic thinking, which also has creativity, because you see patterns in your mind, and you process those patterns. She left the practice, and she went to become an interior designer on YouTube. Hmm. making six figures. Mm -hmm. So she had been wired to express creativity, even though her parents had a family business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish they had really talked about who she was and what she was created to do before they spent 
two or three hundred thousand dollars on the edu, on the education, right? Mm-hmm. So I've dealt with a couple of schools where we've taken the Strength Finders assessment, and I've talked to the students about not chasing after money, but let money chase after you. Because if you're doing what you're created to do. Like Mark Twain said, you'll never feel like you've worked a day in your life, even mm-hmm. though you may be tired. You're doing what you love doing, so you do it even fatigued. Yeah. So catching the students, for me, I've, I've worked with a couple of uh, a community college and a couple of schools of education so that they would take these assessments, and they're your answers. So your top five that I have here are from your answers. So they've taken what you have said about yourself and group them such that, as I said before, your category seems to be relationship building. Hmm. I will get we'll get into my business in a bit. Uh, 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. We're talking about uh, career-oriented testing, personality, culture, behavioral. Can they determine whether or not you are the right fit or the wrong fit for a particular job or career? Lines are open 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Kathy, whoops, Kathy, give me a call back. Uh, Ms. Reed calling from Odenton. Thanks for calling, uh, Ms. Reed. What's on your mind? a question about the test in general sure i have taken a number of those tests and i continue continually um get assessed like in between like i seldom get like a complete assessment i'm always somewhere on the line and and so it makes me question like am i but some of the questions i'm like this is how i feel about it but if i'm performing this way in a job then this is how i feel about it so i could feel two ways about something it kind of makes me feel like i'm kind of conflicted whenever i take those tests um uh, with the exception of obviously myers-briggs it's the enfj but all the others the blue red green orange whatever i'm always two colors um can you can you kind of speak to the people who can never land in one spot in one area hmm uh Craig, you want to take a take a shot at that? I'll, I'll give yeah. you th- uh, 30 seconds before we go to a break, and I'll let you finish up on the other side. Okay, very good. So, yes, I've worked with people. And by the way, with Myers-Briggs, I, I have that issue between extrovert and introvert. I've, I've come to, uh, to see that being kind of in the middle as actually an advantage in that it means that you actually have a greater diversity, a greater number of capacities. Now, that's challenging, right? Because you're not as deeply categorized, but the way to look at it as, with this diversity, you just have to develop the additional knowledge, skill, and understanding of what you have to offer so that you can actually capitalize on this greater diversity of style and preferences and not seeing it as something that is a disadvantage because there's ambiguity there. Oh, that's a hopeful answer. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Reed, uh, thank you so much for your phone call. Uh, 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. We're going to take a break, but don't forget, you can hear every edition of the Daily Drum Insights segment via podcast, and that's on whur.com, posted every night after 9 o'clock. 
You can also download the 96.3 HD2 app on your smartphone and hear the program live in its entirety. If you are calling in or on the phone, stay with us. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141 and 96.3 HD2. I'm Harold Fisher. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That's on WHUR. This conversation continues on Sirius XM Channel 141 in just a few seconds. Welcome back to The Daily Drum on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. We're looking at career testing, what those tests may mean, and if they're really accurate. My guests are Cynthia Terry, owner of Launch to Lead, a career testing group, and Craig DeLarge, an executive coach. Lines are open at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. You can X me at hfisher, W-H-U-R, or find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Okay, so Cynthia, here's something that I was thinking about, although I would never do this. Of yeah. course. But yeah, I, certainly I, of not. course, certainly not. <laughs> but but I was I was thinking it, there isn't there a temptation to answer a test the way that you believe the employer wants you to answer it versus who you really are and what are the dangers of doing that? That's a great question. Thank you for it. The strength finders, as you know, only give you a few seconds to 20, make a yeah, choice. 20 seconds. Because it's top of mind. Mm-hmm. If you can, and I learned to do this very well, I could dissect and analyze a test and make sure that it would come out the way I wanted it to come out. And you can tell that by the way that the uh, questions are stated. With this particular test, as you are answering the questions, the questions are actually changing such that they will follow the answers that you're given. So rather than, rather Mm -hmm. than just giving you questions, you are determining the questions that will come up next by your answers and as I said before they're top of mind now if you try to outthink the test right it doesn't usually happen by outthinking it I have had a person who came up number one way out of the box woo woo is winning others over it is well into the influencing which means that you are one to many you live out loud this person 80% of the people on the job never heard his voice. So he actually believed he was a (laughs) raving extrovert when that's what we wanted to be. But the test couldn't tell because he answered all of his questions like he was a raving introvert. And he is the biggest, I mean, extrovert, but he's the biggest introvert there ever was on, you know, on their job. So we can't, we can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. I did talk to him about it. How is it that, do you know what a raving extrovert actually looks like? He said, yeah, I talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. They don't know the sound of your voice. So what are the dangers of trying to outsmart a, a career exam, particularly in, in this one, um, or trying to outthink it? Will it misidentify you? Will it, could it possibly have, even though you're applying for an executive position, they end up putting you in the mailroom? Oh, no. 
<laughs> I would not use this to uh, for jobs, as I said before. I would mm-hmm. not. I would use it so that as um, Mr. Uh, Delard. Delard. Craig, yeah, Craig. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Mr. Delard said. That's on, that's going to be on a test after okay. the show. Oh, man. Yeah. Write it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's used to make sure that you're in the right place on the job so that you can do the very best that you can do and you'll enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. So an example of that is when someone, um, and, and I've had this, I've gone to an organization, administered, everyone took the, the assessment, and some people came to the realization that this wasn't even the job for them. Mm. I have had two people quit on two different jobs after they took the assessment because they said, this is really who I am. One was a teacher, but that's not what she was doing at a nonprofit. So she went and got her credentials, and she's teaching now. Mm-hmm. And she loves it. And then the um, other person was an executive assistant, and she was a trainer, and that's what she wanted to do. So she quit. Now, I got really terrified because I went to the people and said, I'm so sorry. This isn't so that people will leave their jobs. Both of them thanked me because they said they were miserable. (laughs) The person was miserable, and they were (laughs) miserable. But I still hate it. I would rather you look at your job and the different positions and find the one where this person will excel. Mm-hmm. So about that, Craig, I, I know one of the things that we often, and when I say we, I'm talking about older adults who have had successful careers, long-standing careers, and when they talk to young people, they often say, and I've said this too, what it what inspires you what what are you passionate about when you're trying to find your your career goals yeah is what someone may be passionate about is it possible that a test a, a career oriented test may could could dash those dreams um in the short term, possibly, not in the mid to long term. Where when I coach young people, I'm talking to them about the fact that your career is going to be something like 40 to 60 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your work career, then you got your play career. That's a lot of time, right? In order to work in different situations, get to know yourself. It's also important to understand that passions come in different varieties. There's passion about the skills I use. There's passion about the particular purposes that I'm working on or problems I'm solving. And there's passion about the different settings that I happen to work in. That, by the way, is a model that comes out of What Color Is Your Parachute, right, by Richard Bowles. And so even when someone says to me, well, I'm passionate about this, I try to get them to go deeper in terms of thinking about different types of passion, helping them to understand that you don't always get to work on your passion. Sometimes you have to spend time in your career developing certain skills that then better qualify you to work in the area of your passion. And certainly these assessments, when you take them yourself, even apart from applying for a job, can be very helpful in Mm -hmm. helping you to pinpoint that. Um, A bit to the point that um, Ms. Terry made earlier, you know, I picked my career based on a Myers-Briggs exam that I took my freshman year of college. And... 37 years later, I've not regretted it. It's really uncanny 
how that test pinpointed for me where I needed to be as a career track, and it, it was very useful for me personally. So here, so to that point, and, and I've been thinking about this, um, I remember taking a test when I was, I think I may have been in seventh grade, uh-huh. And it was it was a career test. It it was just just kind of like this, and I remember <laughs> uh, that it that it said something. And this was a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. So you have to forgive <laughs> me. But I I just remember that it, in the end, it it said that I would be. I, I think I would be a, a very skilled custodian or something uh-huh. like that. Um, yeah. Which I, I know that's 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 what it said. So here's the thing about that. I was in seventh grade and I was from from what I remember a very introverted child. Okay, yeah. obviously I'm not now. <laughs> so and 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 so I'm just thinking that. As we grow, as we mature, which are two different things, and, and as we evolve, um, and as we blossom, some of us blossom later than others. Sure. That we would take, that if I were to have taken that same test as a freshman in college, it would be, it would be different. But I also believe that it would also be different if I took that same test as a senior in college, yeah. as well as when I was in the very middle of my career at the age of 35. And yeah. so I guess I'm just wondering, and th- this goes back to what I was saying before, and this is where my healthy skepticism comes in, I remember this from then and and thinking, oh yeah, well I don't even like cleaning up my room, so I'm probably not going to go into the you know custodial services. Um, but I always knew that I I wanted to write. Yeah. And and so here I am, but that test for whatever it was, you know, you know, Cynthia, it didn't identify that trait in me. Right. So. So do we have to keep taking these tests as we begin to grow and evolve? Uh, Miss Terry, I want to leave room for yeah. Miss Terry. Yeah. So can I say I, I think you were probably a very precocious child. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, That's I, I, free. I, That's no, free. I, I, You're I talking would, about an introvert. Okay. No, well, I mean, let, well, let me, you know. <laughs> I do will not charge you. For yeah, you will all. not charge me. I'm glad to hear that. No, so, so you know, both of my parents. Let me say that, you know, my, both of my parents were were extroverted and 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 educators, and so I I consumed a lot of information, but their lights shined so much brighter than mine. Even the, you know, um, and so I did consume a lot of information. I don't know how precocious I was. I don't know. I guess. So help, help me, Cynthia. Help me, help me through this. I would say the reason why I like to, to use strength finders on groups of students just going into college mm-hmm. is because as they look at who they are naturally, 
they can make better decisions about the career path through college courses. Because as we all know, graduating in four years is really a star in your crown. Mm -hmm. Because by the time you get to your junior year is when you really start looking at the track that you believe that you were designed to be in. So that adds a year or so to um, your college tuition and all of those kinds of things. So I believe that if they could see, yeah, this is who I am, this is the track, that it could help them in the coursework that they would be taking, taking in undergrad, master's, and even beyond. Mm -hmm. So I like this because Donald Clifton spent 50 years in what they call positive psychology. And he looked at people in various jobs, even third graders and their reading ability. And what he found out was those who got training for, re for reading in third grade, mm -hmm. they spent the same money on the training, but the kids who naturally had that inclination to read grew 2,700% in there. When the other students, yeah, they grew maybe 100%, but they basically, that was not their area of strength. But right. you could take that child and put them, and I've had this a lot in the classes that I've gone through with Strength Finders, someone who hated school, but music was their life. So in order to get to the music, they would tolerate the classes, mm -hmm. but they knew that they just needed to pass these classes because the system says these are the classes to pass in order to get to what their life stream was. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that if we would stop pressuring kids, you've got to be good in science, you've got to be good in math, you've got to be good. You've got to be good in what you are naturally inclined to be good at. Yeah. Yeah. But what if and you if it's don't, not math, it's okay. But what if you yeah. don't know what that is? And you know, at, at, at the risk of, of having, you know, millennials, you know, wait for me after, after <laughs> work today. But, you know, those of us who have been around, the biggest complaint about millennials is they're this, they're that. They want, yeah. they want um, a microwave career. They want instant gratification. They don't know what, where they're going. They don't know where, you know, how to get there. They don't know. Um, stereotype notwithstanding, mm -hmm. what about those people who don't know what it is that they're good at or where they want to go? So did you want Mr. DeLarge uh, well, I mean, to take a I, I mean, you know, Go ahead, jump yeah, I'll in. Jump in. I'll jump in there because I, I get this question regularly in, when I teach workshops. So, so one, I think that we need to expand our thinking of what a career is beyond paid work. Okay? There's some things that you have a strength in that you have passion about, but it ain't going to pay your bills. At least it's not going to pay your bills today. It may pay your bills in 5, 10, 15 years, but you got your bills in the meantime. So I try to get people to understand that. Don't confine your conception of your career to just what you do from 9 to 5. By the way, that goes for your resume and job application also. Don't only talk about paid work. The other thing, we need to understand that careers are experiments. And every step of a career, and this, by the way, is impacted by the different stages and transitions we go through in life, 
our economic and social situations, so forth, so on, we need to have a growth mindset of experimentation and being open to trying different things. You know, to, to add to the point that Ms. Terry made about, she talked about the, the advantages of having um, young people when they're entering um, undergrad take these exams, or, or maybe a, throughout that four years, there's also a benefit to then revisiting these types of um, assessments mid-career. Mm-hmm. One of the things we begin to find in mid-career is that while my strengths have not changed necessarily, in fact, they're stronger, the settings and the situations in which I want to use those strengths can change drastically. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and you, you lose, I see lots of executives lose steam mid-career or, you know, later in their career because what they've done is they pursued things for ego purposes, driven by their families and their families' wishes, um, economic situations, right, that force us into certain tracks. But then we get exhausted after a while, and so even that is an experiment and being open. Another thing I'm going to say this real quick. I'm telling more and more of everybody that I coach in this area to keep your expenses low. Keep your lifestyle lean. There is so much of being forced into different career tracks that comes of us building these lifestyles that cut off our flexibility. So that I may take an exam and realize that I want to do this, that, or the other, or I have this kind of strength. But then I look at my, my uh, budget, <laughs> right? And, and all that's cut off. So now I have to go do something that I don't want to do, that I'm not passionate about. So I just want to throw that in there because, you know, we're in a, a system that in some ways, when we go too much along with it, traps us and locks us out of the very thing that we would like to be passionately performing in terms of our lives and careers. You know, Craig, I'll stop at that. That, That's wonderful. that is such a great piece of advice. I know that is the same thing that I used to tell young people who wanted to enter the field of broadcasting because unlike many corporate jobs <laughs> when when they want to hire you unless you are being hired in you know for example in the upper echelons of, of broadcasting news anchors and whatever and it also depended on what market yeah starting out a lot of times they'll offer you the job and say you can have the job but you have to be able to move yourself yeah. And and if you don't have the financial wherewithal or the credit, for example, even if you can get there, if you're if you don't have the credit to rent an apartment, yeah. um, then you're you're out of luck. Yeah. You know, you, you get to a town and, and nobody's gonna give you an apartment. So I, I think that is really, really great advice and something that I, I've been sharing with young people for decades and not just in this career but in a lot of careers because as companies yeah. are are watching their bottom line they also may only give you a little bit of money to move if they give you any at all and so okay Tertia, so let's get into my business let me see how well i did this and and again this was the clifton Strength Finders. Clinton Strength Finders. Yeah. 
it the initial part was 177 questions in 20 seconds i had to announce i I had to answer each question within 20 seconds i felt like i was watching uh sunday (laughs) afternoon football and i just knew that as Mm -hmm. and there's no clock Mm. so you it, it doesn't. It doesn't tell you, and so I just knew that somebody was going to throw a referee was going to throw a yellow flag. One hundred and seventy-seven questions. I got them done in about mm, about twenty-five minutes or so. All right, so let's talk about my results. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, let me dispel the myth about good and bad. Mm-hmm. Strengths are neutral. Okay. It's what you have. It's, what, it's who you are. So a lot of people think, <laughs> I want to be in the strategic thinking bucket mm-hmm. because they think that means that they are brilliant. Scientists mm-hmm. are in that bucket, but dancers are in that bucket. Mm-hmm. Artists are in that bucket. It's, the, it's your brain pattern that it I, is. I feel so, like I'm being set up. Okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> the other bucket is executing. That means uh-huh. that you like to get things done. And then yes. it's influencing one to many. You can influence a group like a politician. And then it's relationship building. That's one to one or one to small groups. So you, your number one was input. And input means that you like to just collect bits of information. You just It's just one of those kinds of things. You may even have a digital folder that you take information and you, you put it in. And that's under strategic thinking. Then well, I, I, number agree, two, I agree with you that. You agree with that? I agree with that because I will say, mm-hmm. and, I, and I say this to my friends all the time, that I do believe in in absorbing information and which is one of the best things about this job because you know I'm always talking to the Cynthia Terry's and Craig DeLarges of the world and I and nine times or ten times out of ten I'm sitting with people who I know are not just better educated than I am but I also believe are smarter than I am and so as a result when I leave because I'm sitting in the company of people who know more, who have done more, who have seen more, that I'm smarter because of it. Mm-hmm. So there we go. All right, number Praise two. God. Praise God. <laughs> number two, uh, your number two is harmony. Harmony. And um, harmony, people don't enjoy conflict. They, mm. they uh, just mm. sort of want us all to be able to disagree agreeably. Yes, I, I that, would agree with that. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going two out of five. How about so that, far. Craig? I'm doing okay so far. <laughs> doing Your good, third is good. responsibility. And okay. so when I heard responsibility, I had a, a reaction to yeah, it. Yeah, you did. Responsibility for you to score in your top five with responsibility means that you take psychological responsibility or psychologically you own. If you say something, if you say you're gonna do something, you're gonna do it. Mm -hmm. People will give you a task and never think about it again because you're responsible, which means that you're going to get it done no matter what you need to do to get it done and people will know that about you because Responsibility is a psychological ownership to do what you say you were going to do. So, about that. About that. About. Okay. <laughs> Craig, here we go. <laughs> so, um, 
yes, I would agree with that mm-hmm. to a point. If I'm given you know an assignment, I have to do it as soon as I get it. Because if I don't, and if I get distracted, it may not get done. So I, so I am a, a do it now person because I know if I do, I'll, here's a prime example. And, and I spoke to my mother about this and this is a, a personal thing for me. My mother said to me, did you get your flu shot? And I went, oh, I've been telling myself since last month, I need to hurry up and get my flu shot. I never miss my flu shot, but I keep getting distracted because, of course, I don't have flu vaccine lying around the house. I have to get up and I have to go to the doctor or to the drugstore or what have you and get that done. So I'm going to get my flu shot tomorrow, and I most certainly hope that I don't forget to do it. But that's one of the things that... um, but if your mom said, promise me you're going to get it done by yeah. this <laughs> If, you, if you say yes, you're going to get it done this that, week. That's right. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. So number four. Uh, activator. Was your number four activator? I think it was. Okay. Activator? Activator. It means you like to get things started. That means you want to get things going. Could be a party, could be anything, but whatever it is, (laughs) if you want to get it going, you like to say, come on, let's get it going. Let's get it started. Now, that's an activator. That's your number four, which means it could depend on the situation. Mm -hmm. It could depend on the people. Or, you know, or the circumstances. And, 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 And an activator also means you're a little bit impatient. A little? <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Will you hurry up and get this? I only have four, four and a half minutes left in this show. Impatient. Okay. Okay. That's right. And then the final one is connectivity, which means that you think some kind of way all things are connected together. Now, connectivity is, is a little bit of a different one. My husband is strong in connectivity. He thinks that... Uh, he loves to watch the sun, the sky, you know. If, if, if he's driving along and the sun is setting and the clouds are pink, he's going to point that out to you because he has this connection to nature. You have this, this connectivity to certain things, and all things are connected. The actual definition by Strength Finders for connectivity is that uh, you have faith in the links among all things, and you believe that few coincidences happen, and every event has a meaning. You know, you know what this sounds like to me. What does I, it sound and like? I, this this will be my second Star Wars reference. Uh-oh. Yoda said that in <laughs> in the Empire Strikes Back. He said everything is connected. That's the right. grass, the trees. The, so. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. How about so? What, what do you think, Craig? Well, then out of four out of five, okay. No, I mean, I'll take no, four out of five. No, I mean, I, you know, I guess <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I do. I believe that everything is connected. I don't know. I mean, I would think that. I, I guess I would put all the all of that under the umbrella of faith, mm-hmm. and yeah. so and so nothing happens. Without you know faith, the grass the grass doesn't grow. You know the right. the. Uh, this, the surgery is not successful, you know. Um, you don't cuss your daughter out when she says something untoward. All of that. Uh, <laughs> under the, all um, things are connected. All connected. <laughs> so, so 
I'll tell you that we, we matched up on two of the five. Because All right. I'm input, I'm input responsibility, strategy, learner, and restorative. Uh, wow. So, you know, Harold, you and I, we're, we're 40% alike, man. Well, see, there you go. <laughs> but what about that other 60%? That's the piece that I'm worried about. <laughs> see, but that's where if you and I were on the same team, we'd be complementing one another and, okay. and creating synergy. One plus one equals five. Okay. Right? Okay. And if you didn't marry up, that's community. Because I need yes. the portion of you that's not me and us that for us right. to get our common purpose accomplished. Well, I, well, that's and right. I do agree that, um, you know, two heads are better than one, three are better than two. No. Yeah. I, you don't know everything, even if you know a lot. Right. Yeah. And there's always going to be something that you hear or th- or or something that you don't think about that someone else will share with you yeah. and you'll say oh wow gosh I, you know i didn't think about that yeah. you know man well, I tell you. That's when my eighth grade educated mom seems to be the smartest woman in the world. <laughs> That's right, in the room. There you go. Listen, okay. uh, I have I have really enjoyed this. I have nice. I have learned a lot about myself. I hope that uh, our listeners have learned a little bit about themselves. Go ahead and take the test. Don't try to beat the test. <laughs> and uh, and and good luck with the job. Or the career path that you're on, I tell you. Craig, DeLarge, Cynthia Terry, thank you both so very much. I appreciate you you. uh, joining in this conversation. That is The Daily Drum for this Monday, November 20th. I'm Harold Fisher, that precocious child that I was. (laughs) Good night.